That should be your catchphrase, Brian. <laughs> wiggity, wiggity, what? Yeah, like six or seven times an episode. <laughs> so I was just like, you know, wiggity, wiggity, what? And we went and saw Big Hero 6. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, get hungry. I'm Kent Garrison. I'm Brian Gill. And I'm Richard Barton. And this is Mad About Movies. Da, 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 da. You sound insane. You realize that? Oh, yeah. The whole world got crazy. It's showtime. Mad About Movies is your go-to podcast for all things cinema. Every week, we break down movie news, movie rumors, and movie rumblings, and a chosen movie of the week. But don't worry if you haven't seen it, because we will warn you before we hit the spoilers. And stay tuned till the end for our weekly recommends, in which each of us suggests something that you need to check out as soon as possible. And remember, you can find all of our episodes on our website at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. This week's movie of the week is what, Brian? This week we're going to be talking about The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 1. I never wanted any of this. I never wanted to be in the games. I just wanted to save my sister and keep Peter alive. Miss Everdeen, it's the things we love most that destroy us. So before we start this thing off, I just have to say, Brian Gill. Yes, sir. It's good to have you back. Thanks. Yeah, I'm glad to be back, and thanks for uh, you know letting me take a week off so that I wasn't super high on the air and just whining every time I moved and all that good stuff. So I, for the I listeners it. that for the listeners that don't know, Brian moved to Colorado last week, <laughs> and just haven't adjusted it all yet, guys. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, you had, the, you had yeah. shoulder surgery, right? I did. I'm an old yeah. man now, so I have to start having surgeries, and uh, I had a a, a torn uh, a torn labrum. In the back of my shoulder, if you're a, a Guys kinesiology can tear their major. Labrums? Yeah, I know. I didn't know either, and I have a degree <laughs> in kinesiology. Bad, so uh, no, uh, yeah, I had it messed up around the, the stuff near your rotator cuff. It was all jacked up, ah. so it had to be uh, had to be repaired. And and uh, I, I now have I now have metal in my body. So if I ever go through a metal detector at like the airport, I'll have to oh, be like, hey. really? basically, what they do is they like wrap a surgical cord around the, the the thing that's torn and pull it back into the place where it's supposed to be and then anchor it into the bone so i've got a nice uh wow. anchor in my shoulder now so i'm hoping when this is all over i'll have rookie of the year arm so fingers crossed <laughs> rowan gardner yeah yeah <laughs> gardner stay, stay feel too tightly yeah, I mean, I'm not going to be a starter, but I feel like I could, I don't know, if I could throw like 94, maybe I could come in and uh, just do some relief pitching here and there. I want to be yeah. your uh, Chet Stedman if Kent can be your Blue <laughs> Brigma. Done. Yes. Done. Okay. I'll be Love Brigma. It. Question yeah. on Rookie of the Year. Um, this comes Gary, up a lot, yeah. It does. <laughs> did Gary Busey actually think he played for the Cubs during the making of that? <laughs> yeah. I think he did, actually. He had a like a... The, the the baseball version of a 10-day contract, I think. Yeah. Pitch, pitched in the majors. The footage that from the movie is actually real game footage that they just <laughs> cleverly spliced in with footage yeah. of Thomasine Nicholas. Uh, pitchers got a big butt comments, uh, et cetera. <laughs> we need to do Rookie of the Year uh, around the beginning of baseball season next year. Like have a throwback episode on Rookie of the Year. I want to see a Rookie of the Year too, where Obviously. Rowan Gardner tries to come back to the majors and oh, as an adult, as an adult, yeah, he tries to. That's a great idea. Totally yes. in. Potential investors email Mad About Movies podcast. <laughs> yeah, let's kickstart that. I, I know yeah. that guy's available. So, <laughs> <laughs> second Hunger Games movie we've talked about on the podcast officially. Yeah, 
listeners can always go back and uh, listen to our Catching Fire episode that was released just about a year ago yeah. uh, in 2013, mm-hmm. around this time. So good to talk Hunger Games always. And uh, we're not far removed from Mocking Jay Part 2, which I'm uh, expecting to come out this time in 2015. Yep. Yeah, I think it's summer, though, isn't it? Doesn't it come out like six months, or is it next, this time next year? I really don't know. I don't know. Brian's going to have to... Nope, November. Thank the Lord, because oh, we'll okay. have time for that during the summer. <laughs> yeah, it, there's something about the Hunger Games that feels very fall. They're yeah. set in the woods a lot, so... Yeah, the first one was March, which was really odd, and then it was yeah. so much bigger than – we should save our Hunger Games talk, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh, excited to talk about Hunger Games as always with you guys. So before we head into movie news, rumors, rumblings, I just want to catch up with you a little bit, Brian. Uh, over the sure. past few weeks, we've seen a couple movies. Uh, Richard and I reviewed Dumb and Dumber 2 last <laughs> yeah. week, and I just wanted to ask you, did you see Dumb and Dumber 2? Have you seen any movies <laughs> in the past few weeks? I did see Dumb and Dumber 2. Uh, okay, give us yes, your little mini Yesterday review. or the day before. I will say I've not listened to your reviews because I listened to the first half of the podcast before I saw the movie. And I don't like to listen to – I don't like to listen to anybody talk about a movie I haven't seen pretty much. So when As we, it when should you, be. That, yeah. that's the, that should be a disclaimer here. And we, we, get, we get email messages that say, you know – you should spoiler alert here, or you should plot synopsis here. That's fine, yeah. but we fully suggest officially we endorse see the movie before listening to the show. Yeah, our, yeah. our or, ultimate or at least the second half. Yeah, our ultimate yeah. goal is for you to to listen to the to the podcast. You know, go leaving on the, on your way home from the theater from seeing sure. the movie or something like yeah. that, or, or uh, during or just during the or yeah, just during the film. One headphone in. It, yeah. It's an enhancer to a movie experience. That would have I made like Dumb say. and Dumber 2 better, I would think, <laughs> if I would have just listened to a podcast. Couldn't instead. have made it worse. Yeah, just cause... listening to Wesley Morris might so have been what, better. So what were your uh, thoughts, Brian, on, on it? <laughs> what, what were your expectations <laughs> slash thoughts on Dumb and Dumber 2? I expected nothing. I got nothing. Um, Dumb and Dumber is such a classic comedy it's so stupid and it's so ridiculous but it's it's great because of our memories of it and because of you know the the numerous times i don't know how many times you guys have watched dumb and dumber but i think y'all referenced it in the 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 episode but i'm with y'all i mean i think i've I've probably seen it close to 100 times uh, i would guess and so it you know it has that special place but i did rewatch it recently and and while it is extremely absurd and fits the 90s just the early nineties, especially perfectly. It's not, it's still, I don't think it's bad. And I think it's hard to say that for sure. Cause I am so biased towards it, you know, but I think most of it held up pretty well. Yeah. We talked about that. Yeah. As far as the jokes go and how funny it was, the whole, the, the, the slapstick Jim Carrey bit, I think is just kind of, I don't know. It was like time preserved in between like 1993 and 1995. But Still, it's it's fine. The sequel, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yes. attempt to put it into words if you can. It's it's one it, a it's a completely unnecessary sequel. No nobody nobody needed this. And B, we did call you, for them to make it though financially. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes sense financially, but you know, it it doesn't need to happen. Much like Horrible Bosses Two doesn't need to happen. I don't mind sequels and franchises and all that stuff. I just want them all to make, 
you know, to be substantial within whatever canon they're in, you know, and this is, this is so, so far off that I think the best case scenario for me with Dumb and Dumber 2 was like, if it's a C or a C plus movie and I laugh a dozen times throughout and it just, and it feels like Jim Carrey and, and uh, Jeff Daniels are in on the joke then I, I think I could have at least walked away and been like, it's not good, but at least it wasn't just a train wreck. But I didn't get any of that. You know, <laughs> I, it's, it, I laughed. I probably laughed a half dozen times, and, and five of them were just like, huh, like little smirks, you know. I laughed pretty hard at the end when uh, Kathleen Turner explained sex to them. For whatever reason, just their reactions. Uh, <laughs> caught me off guard and, and really made me laugh. Um, but there was nothing else in the movie that really, really did it. And, and worse guys, I mean, yeah, to and, me, it felt like, and I, and again, I haven't li- listened to y'all's reviews, so I may be just completely re- Well, it was my favorite film of the year. So <laughs> <laughs> number one of my top 10 so far, just, just above uh boyhood. If and we're I being think, honest. Yeah. And I think they're similar films. <laughs> They both have a lot to say. I think. Yeah. They both took uh, 20 years to make. So. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, for me, and again, I, I hope I'm not just reiterating what you guys said, but I I felt like Jeff Daniels could not have cared less about <laughs> what he was doing and, and maybe was just doing it as a favor to Jim Carrey on some level. That's yeah. how it came across. And Jim Carrey – I don't know what we do with Jim Carrey, guys, because I – I mean, he has a very special place as far as like our upbringing, I think, yeah. all of us. I think he's a talented actor, and I think he's shown that in Truman Show and uh, Man on the Moon and, and stuff like that. But he's not – I don't know if it's just that he's not progressing or if we've just – if it is just truly we've bypassed we, – we've passed the moment where he can work. I, I don't know which one it is, but yeah. – he felt so desperate to me in in the movie. It, th- like the, I think the whole movie is kind of summed up with the hot dog bit, where he ate the, you know, where he, he pulls the hot dog out of the yeah. bun and then just kind of slides it down his gullet, and it just, for whatever reason, that just struck me as so, like, oh, that's not a because it's not funny. It's and like it's, Gallagher. It's like yeah. watching old Gallagher. Yeah, it just. It was it was sad. It was it was very sad. So I, I thought it was a I thought it was one of the I don't know three or four worst movies I've seen this year. And we need to be done as a society with the the Ferrellis and and just uh, it, it, they don't have a sense of humor that works in 2014. Their their time has passed. The Ferrellis, yeah, yeah. Jim Carrey's time has passed. All of this stuff. Um, I just think we're past it as a society and things like this just. It made money, so that's great. But um, man, it was a sad experience, honestly, for me. And we talked about that some on the show about that moment kind of being passed and and what that means. And I think uh, you know we have to just come to grips with that. We're not eight anymore, or whatever we yeah. were. I think. Yeah. I, I don't blame Carrie for going back to this. He's done some really incredible drama that just hasn't been appreciated by, right. I guess, the people he cares about appreciating it. And I'm sure that's yeah. frustrating, but uh, this isn't the way to get them to appreciate it, I would yeah, say. That's exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think him, and, there's a lot of similarities between him and Sandler of just people don't get 
didn't buy the stuff that he was good at is from a serious standpoint. And so now he's kind of relegated to this. The difference is Adam Sandler is still in control of his own, mm-hmm. basically his own, you know, whatever he wants to do, he just does uh, from a production standpoint and makes tons and tons of money. I don't know what, what Jim Carrey's portfolio looks like, um, but he's not able to, he doesn't have that same, it's, it's not creativity because what Sandler's doing is not creative at all, but it is from a business sense. Like uh, yes, exactly. Exactly. It's, he doesn't have that financially viable thing that he can go to and do. Now, maybe it's Dumb and Dumber sequels. I, I don't know. But this we this was on par with any of the Sandler movies from the last, you know, however many years. It's just it's bad. Yeah. It's not funny. And it it didn't even it didn't even seem like the there was hardly anybody in my theater. But even there was probably 10 like somewhere between 16 and eight or, or 15 and 18 year olds in the theater. And it didn't seem like it was landing at all. And if it's not yeah, landing with I, them, I, I then what point, are we doing? I you made know? that point in the, in the episode that it didn't, none of the jokes worked in my theater. Yeah. And I mean, if you're going to wait 20 years to make this, and <laughs> I, I joked about that earlier, but I mean, seriously, there, there have been opportunities since 94 to make yeah. this movie. I mean, I guarantee you they talked about it every single year. About hey, should we do it now or should we wait? You know, and yeah. at least this time it should be okay. Well, we have an idea that we can't we can't pass this up. The script is too good; it's too right. funny. Right? Uh, I mean, the timing's perfect. It just seemed like no effort was put into it. And I I agree with you about Carrie, but a point I made in the episode also was I think there's a place like he could have a Bill Murray type career. He could find this weird niche in like dark comedies mm-hmm. if he had that if he had that self awareness. Like Bill Murray doesn't try to do Caddyshack anymore because right. he knows he's like that. That's in my past, you know. I don't yeah. do that. Jim Carrey still fully would do Ace Ventura three if they would allow him to do it, you know. Yeah, uh, I think you're right. And if if he can just move towards something like, uh, you know, take someone like Bill Murray for example, and 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 do that, I think. He still has value, and I hope yeah. I hope the best for him because I too. I, I like the Fairleys. I liked Dumb and Dumber. I like Jim Carrey. I I want the best for all of them. This is not it. This is, and it's just sad that they think this is great. A great effort by them by everyone involved, and they're just super proud of it. And it made it was number one that weekend and all that. Right, all the above. It's just it needs to go away. I agree, and everyone needs a reset. And I think in Carrie's defense, I will say the, the Bill Murrays of the world. Are a lot less common than the Chevys and mm-hmm. um, uh, Mike Myerses and the Sandlers and the Eddie Murphys and you know yeah. it's it's oh, hard absolutely. to sustain that. Yeah, it's hard to sustain that. But, I mean, at evolve. least at least Kerry has shown that he could do that type of work. Sure. Before oh, absolutely. In the past. And same with Sandler uh, in a, in a way, but mm-hmm. um, I just yeah I I just hope that's the direction he chooses to take his career. Yep. Instead of, I mean, Kick-Ass 2 and Dumb and Dumber and, you know, showing up in Anchorman and, like, I understand what you're you're trying to do is cling on to something, but uh, something needs to happen. Something's got to give here uh, yeah. with, with Mr. Carey. And ho- him hosting SNL, and the only good skit was the cast members of SNL doing impersonations of characters he's done <laughs> in his career, you know, um, yeah. that just shows that. Really, all he can offer us is just memories of the carry we used to love. So, uh, good talk. I'm glad. Uh, I don't know what your grade was, 
Brian. F, I, I, yeah, I, it was, I bet it was you could F. guess what mine was. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you guys liked it about as much as I did. So to me, it was like the only movie that I for sure at this point, I'm like, that's worse that I've seen this year was Draft Day, which is still my number yeah. one least favorite movie of the year. <laughs> oh, uh, man. Lucy was pretty terrible, too. So that might. Anyway, it's 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 definitely one of the worst movies I've seen this year, and and I I just I just hope we're done. We're not we're not done because it made a ton of money, so we're not done. But I want to be done with that uh, that style of comedy that that fairly Jay Roach style of of comedy. I just don't the brat I don't, dog. I don't. Yeah. Oh God. I don't care about any of that <laughs> stuff anymore. And I don't think it's just because I'm I'm 31. I think it's because it's been done to the point that we can't do it anymore. And I don't think, I, I don't know. I just don't think anybody really cares about it. Um, Dumb and Dumber 2 dropped, every movie dropped significantly from week one to week two, but the Dumb and Dumber 2 drop was was significant. It was like a 61%, which is wow. huge. So yeah. I think Usually that tells 30. you. A normal yeah. average is 30. That's yeah, I think want. that tells you a lot of people went to see it like us. They're like, well, it's a Dumb and Dumber movie, so I'm going to see it. Um, but the word of mouth was so bad that I, I would guess that if they did a second movie, the first one made what, like 38 million on opening weekend. I would Mm -hmm. guess if they made a third one, you're looking at less than somewhere between 25 and 30 and, and diminishing returns from, from there on, um, would be my, would be my guess. Let's hope that. uh, Yeah. And the novelty was the only thing that for them to make this but we told you know we talked about on the podcast that's enough reason to make it there's enough people you can with a reasonable budget that you can make money on this there's no reason not to do it from that standpoint right uh but creatively it was uh yeah it was it was tough it was it was tough so uh anyway moving on to movies that are or let's let's talk some movie news gentlemen shall we movie news rumors and rumbling that's awesome let the filibustering begin there's a little bit of trailer news we should talk about here before we before we talk uh, the Hunger Games. Once I haven't again. heard anything. Yeah, about news. Peter Pan? Okay, yeah. Yeah. There is uh, a trailer that released uh, yesterday that I'm glad we're we're recording a little bit late this week so we can we can discuss it because mm-hmm. it's one that deserves a discussion. Uh, the highly anticipated or highly talked about Jurassic Park Four, aka Jurassic World. Uh, official trailer, and we we sort of talked about this over text message. Um, what are your thoughts on the Jurassic World trailer, Brian? What's interesting? I want to say this, and for my, I, I mean this as a positive. I enjoy the Twitter banter and debate, even about this trailer, because oh, it, it was really, a hot it, topic. Yeah, yeah, it really was, and it set off uh, quite a bit of discussion, and that's good. We don't get enough of that. I don't think. It, we don't have enough. Uh, we don't have enough discussion. That's not yeah. Batman v Superman related. Yeah, we 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 don't have water cooler types of of things anymore, right? And and so I thought that was kind of cool. Um, I I tend to fall on the negative side on this. I I really want this movie to be good because I love Jurassic Park so much. It's in my we in our top ten episodes or top ten movies episode. Uh, it was in my top ten. It's it's it will. It's probably my number one ever movie going experience. I, I, I and I'll never forget uh, seeing that in the theater for the first time. And I just think it's such a tremendous film. So I want this to be good. But the truth is, we've had three Jurassic Park movies up to this point, and two of them suck. So <laughs> we have to at some point just say this is not going to work. And I think this is going to. Uh, unfortunately, it's going to follow 
uh, Lost World and Jurassic Park Three. There are some good. There are some good thing looking things within the movie Vi- from a visual standpoint. There's some cool looking stuff, but it already seems like the story. A, I think we know the story already at this point. Like we know the entire plot of the film from that two minute trailer, and it's not good. And it's not even that it's not original. I don't care about original so much as I care about executing whatever you're going to do. And it just there was something. There was something off in that entire two and a half minutes or whatever it is. It's early. The CGI will look better when the actual movie comes out. So that that I'm not so worried about. You, I feel like you can tell already from the from that short little trailer the the tone of the film is not going to be right. Is not gonna not gonna hit the mark for Jurassic Park, and that's that's a bummer. Because if you're not, you may not be able to live up to the standard of the original. But if you're not able to at least like kind of get in the ballpark, then I would prefer you not do it. You know what I mean? So that's uh, I'm I'm bummed that it's not any good, and and I I think we have to all be prepared for a really bad summer movie at this point, Richard. It could be like the kind of the dumb and dumber of, of action films. <laughs> uh, so remember when Star Trek came out a couple years ago and Chris Pine was like the next movie star. It was great. Sort of like a Will Smith, a roguish character. And then he followed Star Trek with like that movie with Reese Witherspoon and Tom Hardy this and stuff like war, that. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting a little worried here for our boy Chris Pratt. Um, <laughs> Guardians was awesome. He's great in it fantastic uh but you know this and then cowboy ninja viking warrior or the heck that other <laughs> one is yeah th- this is pretty uh one of the worst trailers i don't know this looked like a straight to video movie to me i know the effects are going to get better but like it looked like a parody of like action movies but not in a fun mcgruber way but in a talked about jim carrey not being self-aware i i, I wonder if this movie has self-awareness it may i know it comes from like a, a kind of a comedy writer the guy who did safety not guaranteed and all that right. i don't know the they kind of there was very a lot of gray irony in that in that i movie. think there could be and just to back you up and you know to be hopeful a little bit uh in this conversation there could be some interesting satire going on or there ha- it has hoping. the potential of that and that's what I'm hoping for. Uh, when you hire a guy like that, you hope that they can bring something like that to the table. But I know you're. Yeah. I know what you're saying. The but- good thing for Pratt is because you're right. Like Chris Pine's star has has kind of faded uh, from what we expected in 2009 or whenever Star Trek came out. The the thing that well, Chris he's got Pratt- horrible bosses too. Right. He's, he's he- got uh, Into the Woods guys. Yeah, I mean, he's fine, but it hasn't gone as bright as we thought it would. The thing that that Pratt has going – he has two things going for him. One, he has two major franchises now to fall back on with Guardians of the Galaxy and Lego Movie. And two, I think he's proven himself as a serious actor with like Zero Dark Thirty and Moneyball and stuff like that that he could – if this continues to happen – and I think think you're right, Richard. Like Jurassic World and uh, Cowboy Ninja – viking fighter or whatever mm-hmm. that sort of stuff if and when that fails and i i kind of think it will he at least can fall back on doing really great supporting work in serious films uh on top of hey also i'm a superstar in the one of the two of the three or four biggest movies of the year he's solid um cashing in and mm-hmm. i don't really blame him on this as well we we talked about that a little bit last week when we did talk uh that cowboy ninja viking news 
Uh, imagine John Krasinski in every superhero movie that he's auditioned for but never gotten. You know, imagine yeah. he gets one of those, and now he can get any movie he wants as far as a blockbuster. He's probably going to cash in three or four of those fifty offers, you know, and I think that's what Pratt's doing, but he has potential, like you said, in other aspects of his career. But um I mean but honestly if they came to you and they said, Hey, do you want to be in a Jurassic Park movie? Yeah. With this really cool, interesting indie director, yeah. uh sort of rebooting the franchise, you'd be like, Yeah, that of course. Yeah, I, I love I, Jurassic I, yeah, I bet exactly. he loves Jurassic yeah. Park, man. I bear you know, no so. ill will at all towards Chris Pratt. I just yeah. think and I just think this movie is – I think we're at a point where we just have to say, look, this this doesn't work as a franchise. It worked as a standalone film that was incredible and is one of the one of the more uh, monumental black, blockbuster films of, of the last – of ever. <laughs> you know? But it's not, it's not a franchise and I think – I hope – I hope this is good. If it's not, my second hope is that that proves it, that we don't get Jurassic World 2 in three years. I hope it well, does poorly enough. We don't have to sit through that. It, it, the next one will technically be Jurassic Five, and if that doesn't have a soundtrack <laughs> from late '90s band, yeah, <laughs> Jurassic Five, then I'm going to be bummed. The, the best comparison I can make, or the most applicable comparison I can make, and it comes from Steven Spielberg. This has become Jaws. The first yeah. Jaws, great, groundbreaking film mm-hmm. uh, for effects for uh, summer blockbusters. Jaws 5, you really – you don't care anymore because you've seen Jaws. Imagine yeah. – you know, remember the anticipation you felt first time you saw Jaws waiting to see the shark. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember the anticipation you felt seeing Jurassic Park for the first time waiting to see the dinosaur. By Jurassic Park 5, Jurassic Park 4, we've seen dinosaurs. You know, So that yeah. – I mean it has to do something different to up the ante a little bit or change it up. Uh, right now we're on basically Jaw- the Jaws five of Jurassic Park movies. Uh, did you ever see Jurassic Park three, Richard? I think so, but I have almost zero memory of it. It's one go- worth going back and and revisiting before we do the Jurassic World episode next summer. Okay, um, but so I suggest going back and watching. Who's the cast those. in that one again? It's William H Macy, That's Sam right. Neill. Uh, let's see, I've got it. Is it? It's Taylioni, yeah. I was gonna Taylioni. say I feel like it's I feel like it's Taylioni, but okay. <laughs> yes, you're you're right on. It made uh, wow. Look at that. It made three hundred and sixty eight million on a budget of ninety three. Wow. So, I mean surprising. I'm not surprised. Um Yeah. I think those I mean this one made too. I mean, who knows? Oh, Michael Michael Jeter too, one of his last films. Right. I've got one more here. We have official confirmation and a title on Now You See Me Too. <gasps> yeah. Oh. All right. Should we guess first? I mean, obviously There's, you know, but Brian yeah. Brian already knows too. Why don't you guess? Uh, let me guess. Okay. There's one title that would actually be good. Now you it, don't. It's yeah. Now you don't would be. I'd be okay with that. What do you think? What do you? Think? I'm gonna go with a real shocker here. Now you see me, too. No, it is not uh. not far off though. Now you see me, the second act. Oh, because they're magicians. I, yeah, I got that. That's awful. Or wizards. We don't know. They could be either. Yeah. Well, we'll have Daniel Radcliffe. So oh, might have wizards. I hate this. Movie. Well, Daniel Radcliffe, it is announced that he is playing. Uh, well, he has announced, but Michael Caine confirmed that he will be Michael Caine's 
son. Oh, and, he's out for revenge. Yeah. Spoiler oh, really? Alert. You're being serious. Brett, yeah, no, he wrote that part. Of, I don't know about the revenge part, but... Yeah. And then number two, Lizzie Kaplan, who also joined the cast, who we love, it looks like she's replacing Isla Fisher, who is not a part of this. So I've gained a lot of respect for Isla Fisher. <laughs> so her audition was just, all right, now we're going to strap you inside this bubble and we're going to spin <laughs> you around. Okay, you'd be perfect for this. Yeah. I'm so excited, guys. I'm so excited. It's Entourage is my most anticipated <laughs> for 2015, and then this is 2016. Yeah, that up, I've that up my so excitement, cynical. that's for sure. I've gotten so cynical in life that I look more forward to, to terrible films than, than good ones. <laughs> Don't we all? Gosh. That's what this podcast, that's, that's, what, oh, yeah! that's what we've become. Oh, yeah! Sorry, I was singing the Entourage theme. <laughs> Gosh, I can't wait for that episode for our listeners. Just what they're going to have to go through yeah. in that, that episode. I recommend you all follow Assistant to Doug on Twitter. It's not safe for work. So if you're offended by language, don't go on it. But if yeah. you're not and you love a good laugh, there is a gentleman that runs a fake Twitter pretending like he is Doug Elon, the director of Entourage <laughs> Assistant. And it's one of the best three or four Twitters on the internet. Good recommend. Yeah, there you go. That's your weekly Twitter recommend. <laughs> Appreciate it. All right. Without further ado, guys, let's move on and let's talk The Hunger Games Mockingjay, Part 1. PETA is the capital's weapon. The same way you're ours. You will rescue PETA at the earliest opportunity, or you will find another Mockingjay. I will turn things over to y'all, or for this segment of this episode at least. I want to hear Brian's thoughts first of all, uh, because I understand you have read the books. I have, uh, The Hunger yeah. Games... Trilogy of books? Uh-huh. It's a trilogy uh-huh. of books, right? Okay. It is. Yep. So we arrive now. Uh, this is the third film in the Hunger Games trilogy of films. Three of four. Uh, the Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 2. It will be released next fall. This is a science fiction thriller directed by one Sir Francis Lawrence with a screenplay by Peter Craig and Danny Strong. So let's kick it off, Brian. Initial impressions of The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 1. If you want to, I guess, maybe rehash your thoughts on the first uh, two films, you're welcome to sure. do that as well. Uh, yeah, I have read the books. Um, I, think the, I think the book is a great – th- there's a great idea. There's a great concept at the core of it. I think the first book is a well-written uh, execution of that concept. I think the second and third book get progressively worse as they go <sighs> from a literary standpoint. Just uh, I don't – the writer Suzanne Collins, who is has written some really great uh, kids lit stuff. I think she had a great idea for one book. I don't think she had a great idea for how to execute that over three books. You know, so Mockingjay is not a good book in my opinion. Um, it's a it's just it's very messy. I don't think she had a great deal of respect for the characters the way that. Uh, like J.K. Rowling did with uh, with Harry Potter, or most of those those you know young adult fiction books, I I, I don't think she really had a great feel for uh, her characters, honestly, and and the narrative just kind of is very very messy and takes a backseat to stuff that really isn't as pressing or nearly as good. Catching Fire is is very similar. The book. I don't think the book is very good. It's better than Mockingjay, but 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 not great. The movie Catching Fire, I think, is 
is excellent. It was in my top 10 last year. Uh, and I think right, it was a, yeah. just a, just a wonderful blockbuster. I really like the first hunger games as well. Um, I, I think it's a it's a very very solid uh, blockbuster sort of sort of film, but Catching Fire is really really good. And so um, anyway, so that's what I kind of took into this film was I like this franchise uh, from the movie standpoint. I really like the, the, the movie franchise. I think the books are are interesting, um, but I was I'm I was excited for Mockingjay in spite of the fact that I don't love the book because. Catching Fire was very similar to me. Uh, the 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 job that Francis Lawrence did of putting together Catching Fire was so much better than than the book was uh, for for me anyway. So that was you know, and we've got the same cast uh, of characters and the director and all that. So I was excited about it. Um, I'm a, I'm not going to say I'm disappointed. It's to me, it's definitely the 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 lesser of the, these three films so far. But I always. I will always put in a caveat on any film that is a a part one or, or or something like that. I don't feel like you can, and I've said this a million times, so I'm just I'm rehashing. But I don't feel like you can fully uh, judge a film until you've seen the entire film, and we won't see that entire film until part two. I don't love that strategy. It's very frustrating to me unless you have a really good reason to do it, like Harry Potter does. I don't think that this one should have been split into two films and i think that's pretty much every negative re- review that it's gotten i think would would basically it boils down to this decision to split it into two films uh all that to say i i want to see the second part before i get a full grasp of uh of what this is and 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 really grade it so it's almost like an incomplete grade today uh, and will remain so for a year but i i thought it was a i thought it was fine I didn't think it was uh, as good as the other two, but but I certainly wasn't uh, I, I wasn't pissed off, or I didn't come away just like thinking that it's it stinks or anything like that. Um, I just think it's really tough to pull off uh, a part one at the end. Or now you're in the you know you're you're in the third part of a four part series, and that's really hard to do because you don't have a beginning and you don't have an end, and that's tough to to make work. So uh, a little disappointed as compared to the other hunger games films, but uh, I think we're set up pretty nicely for a very strong finish in the fourth movie. Richard, you know, I haven't read any of these books. Um, I, I don't know how to read and I know <laughs> <laughs> I, I uh, no, I just, I've, one of the weird like uh, gaps in my pop culture resume is I, I missed these. I think we talked about it a little bit. I'm sure on the on the Catching Fire uh, episode, so I won't go too far in there. This one, but I've I've been you know I've liked the films fine. I don't know if I'm as high as them on them as you guys, but I I really enjoy them and and think they're cool. Um, on on the, on this one, you know, with I I haven't seen Twilight. Um, the the later I've seen Twilight, I haven't seen. Is it Breaking Dawn, the fourth one? Uh, Hold on. sure. Hold on, let, me, let me check my chest tattoo. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's Breaking Dawn is the fourth one. So I haven't seen those, in, but Harry Potter, you know, the, the thing that's great about the, that last Harry Potter is it is split into two movies. It's a great money grab for them, but it's totally, like you said, Brian, kind of organic to the story. It would be obscene for that book to be one movie. Um, you, yeah. You'd have to leave out so much. Uh, this really felt like it was just kind of wasting time in some parts. Um, it felt very purposeful and I get like, look, these movies aren't really made to be 
uh, artistic statements. They're very good. I'm, I'm not saying they're uh, they're they're fluff, but they're not high art like something like Fast and the Furious. And <laughs> you know, well, the thing about this one is it's just very clear that it's kind of a we're we're going to make two of these to get as much money out of this as as, as possible, which is fine for for Twilight. I, I I've said this a million times. I don't know if I said it on the podcast. I never understood why the Twilight author quit writing those books because. They're terrible anyway, right. and you're not going to hurt the artistic credibility by writing um, 17 of them. And it's not like Harry Potter where there's sort of contained story. You could just keep churning those out. They could grow old together, all of this stuff, and you would make a ton of money both selling books and um, making movies. And then people would eventually get tired of it in five years, but you would have, I don't know, $150 million more million and the same artistic credibility uh, that you had before. <laughs> I, I never really understood that. With these, it's kind of in between, right? I, I, I don't think these are as, obviously as well-written or well-respected, either from a film perspective or a, a literary perspective as, as Harry Potter, uh, but they're certainly not kind of the, the direct that is that is Twilight. But this one felt very, very... You could really kind of see them stretching it out in weird ways. Just kind of the, the way it was paced, um, kind of leaving you up and down. There was, there's The second act is really, really long, and nothing really <laughs> happens. Yeah. And so, you know, it really felt like just the, uh, it, you know, they shot these, right? They shot them together. It felt like you were watching the first cut of a fi- of a two-hour movie that's currently five hours long. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I would lose that scene. I would lose that scene. But then it just abruptly ends halfway through that five-hour cut. There's a lot of good stuff in there, but it just didn't really felt, feel finished to me. It also kind of had a rushed feeling to it. But... You know, there's a lot worse things out there. The story's pretty captivating. I really, really kind of get lost in it at times. But, uh, but that that would be my biggest complaint. I, and, and everyone's making that complaint. So I'm, I'm by no means original. And Kent, what did you think? Um, I'm a huge fan of this series. Uh, I, I'm not a person who was exposed to the to the uh, literature. Uh, if you will, beforehand. Um, our, my first impression of this series came from the movie. So that being said, I'm a huge fan of this. Uh, mm-hmm. I really was interested uh, in it to begin with. Um, it's a story, unlike vampires falling in love, which <laughs> it, you might be shocked to hear that doesn't interest me uh, in the slightest. <laughs> well, but, but hold on, Kent. But Kent, they're shiny vampires. Yeah, and there's opinion. one that turns into a werewolf and doesn't wear a shirt, <laughs> uh, who is Native American, I think. As well, um, that's not racist at all to say that the Native American one is the one that turns into a wolf. That's just the, that's actually in the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it is it, it's not something that interest, interested me. Um, I did give the first Twilight a chance, like right when the first movie came out, when I didn't know what it was, but it sort of came out, and I, I watched the first one. And as soon as the guy Edward Cullen or something Cullen Jenkins or I don't, <laughs> I don't know, I don't even know at this point. He, Gosh, he starts I would still watch a Twilight movie Cole, starring Cole, Colin, Jenkins. Colin Jenkins. That would that be, be awesome. Uh, he starts sprinting at like ninety miles an hour, and I was like, "Okay, I'm out." Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I I could buy it up to this point, but nobody sprints it, and I it just it took it to uh, all time cheese level. But enough about Twilight. This this wasn't like that for me. Uh, it really yeah. worked for me, and I could I could get into the characters. Um, I'm with you, Brian. I think Catching Fire is still the best of the series. Mm-hmm. But I think the first one has its merits, and this one has its merits. It's just different than the yeah. other two. I mean, that's all you can really say. It it, it feels like a breather. Okay, yeah. so that's much has happened in these, these first two movies. Let's take a breather here. Let's talk about what just happened. 
And let's talk about what's going to happen next. Uh, let's prepare ourselves for what's going to happen next. It's still third in the trilogy sure. as far as my favorites, but I mean, it, third is a pretty good third. I mean, third's an A minus to a, yeah. a couple A's yeah. and an A plus, you know, so yeah. um, it worked on me. So what worked on you specifically, Brian? I love. I'm with you, Ken. I, I'm. I think I'm closer to you than I am on than than Richard on this one. But I. I, I love these. I love the characters as they are portrayed in the film so much better than the books. Seriously, this. I mean, these movies benefit so much from their casting. They. They did such a tremendous job of casting the first film, and they continue to to do that throughout. Like any addition that they make, it's the right person for the job. And it, but they benefit extremely. You know, on a huge margin from. The fact that their excuse me their their leading lady is a huge star because Jennifer Lawrence is just an amazing actress and uh, she portrays his character so well. I, I'm with you, Richard. It, it did drag out and it's, it's definitely got its moments that are kind of uh, stretched and, and boring, even. Yeah, but I did like that because of that we got a little bit of. Uh, I felt like we got a, f- a few more instances of actually getting to see Jennifer Lawrence act, which I really yeah. like because I just like I like her as a performer. I think I, I, I find her. Um, I just find her captivating. I just I you can't I can't take my eyes off her when she's on screen, and that's very easy in something like Hunger Games because she's the main character. But you know, even like in uh, American Hustle or whatever, uh, she's so good that you 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 can't not watch her. When she's on screen, I liked the propaganda bit. I thought that they that was fair. That was pretty yeah. well done of building those propaganda pieces and and finding ways to create that organically. And again, that gives Jennifer Lawrence an opportunity to act, which is really good. The pacing throughout the movie was not great, but I did think it was very good at the to, towards the end with uh, with them storming the, the the building to get the to get Peta and the rest of the the victors out. I thought that was really well done, and it's not well done in the book. So I was surprised with how how well they they touched on that. Uh, I thought that was a pretty pretty good scene. Um, there's a like I said, yeah, there's a lot to like. This probably just needs to be like a just one three hour long movie instead of a four or four and a half hour movie cut into two. Like, I don't think you could put when we see the hunger games part two, I think we're going to all kind of agree. We could not have put all of that into one movie and still gotten what get gotten out of it. What we needed to get out of it. There are a lot of plot points that had to be touched on, but I don't think this whole movie needed to be its own movie. You know, this needed uh-huh. to be like the first hour, maybe hour 15 of of a movie not an entire film so but there's like i said there's a lot to like um and i i'm I still continue to be impressed with the uh the 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 talent that they're able to assemble for these films and then the way in which they're able to use them donald sutherland is great uh it's so weird seeing philip seymour hoffman on screen um the last some, official time right is, is this think, not it i think so because that that John Slattery movie has already come out, even though yeah, we haven't the, really um, had a chance to see it. God's Pocket, I think. God's Pocket. And uh, Most Wanted Man was his last leading role, if I'm not mistaken. Right. This is his yeah. last, maybe, uh, I, I guess, his last appearance on screen. I, I'm, right. I'm, I'm not sure at this point. But it was sure. it was my first time to see him since passing on the big okay. screen, at least. Yeah. And uh, quite weird, but also great to see him. Right. Julian Moore is always great. Um, Surprised she wasn't naked, though. I mean, yeah, I know. Like, I, maybe that'll weird. be in the director's cut or something. Um, there's, there's a part two. It's yeah. maybe it's like *Nymphomaniac*. You don't really yeah. see her until flesh it out till the end. 
So uh, yeah, but I'm 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 fully impressed again with the casting and the and the performances of all these actors in a movie that very easily could be Twilight. You know that they could very easily have just thrown all of these movies, just cranked them out. Doesn't matter who we get to play these parts. Doesn't matter if they're good or not because they're going to make enough money. Doesn't you know we don't care. Uh, I'm I'm very impressed with the the way in which they they go a, a the, the cast that they always for these films and be how into it all these these actors are josh hutcherson is somebody who i never thought was that you know was i've never been that impressed with uh but he's great in this series and i think he was he's he's not on screen that much but he's very good in this film liam hemsworth too so anyway all these guys do a really great job and hemsworth yeah, he is. He is. He's not a movie star, but uh, you know, can't all be movie stars. <laughs> uh, anyway, I, I think they did a great job, and I, I'm always impressed when a cast that is as accomplished as American Treasure, Woody Harrelson, and Philip Seymour Hoffman, and and Sutherland, and more. All these people are really and truly locked into their performances and giving a good performance in a movie that they could easily look at as something that is beneath them because I think that's very easy to do with blockbuster type fair when you have academy award nominations and uh accolades and all that sort of stuff i i think all these guys do a great job and and that is the that is the plus side of having a sort of rambly movie is you get more opportunities for actors to be actors instead of just going from one scene to the next shooting arrows at each other stanley tucci as well Mm -hmm. um Elizabeth Banks, incredible, great in this series. Yeah, those two are are fantastic in this series. Um, right. the the supporting cast is like you said, they actually give a crap, and that's that's good to see. You could easily mail it in if you're you're Harrelson in this. Yeah, yeah, and no one would care. Yeah, yeah and we've seen him do it, and now he's yeah. steamy. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, depends on your definition. No, um, it's great to see. Richard worked on you. Uh, in the series or in this movie, when I insulted it earlier, uh, it's I'm saying all that still planning on giving this a very good grade. Sure, you know yeah, it's just totally it, yeah. it's it's just trying to nitpick a little bit, you know, compared to the others. The you know Lawrence is Lawrence is really good, and she's in a film with a, a lot of talent. It kind of outshines everybody. Granted, her role is substantial some would right. say that character is somewhat essential <laughs> arguable but okay yeah i mean depends on what <laughs> angle you're looking at but yeah. agree to disagree yeah okay yeah sure <laughs> but she really really does hang and she's such a star i i you're totally right brian that when she when she's on the screen it's it's pretty captivating not necessarily for the same re- reason that someone like Scarlett Johansson is captivating. It's not just pure yes. wow, she's stunning, you know, and she is gorgeous. Right. But it's it's more uh, a charisma and a and a and a skill that she has. She has uh, presence. Yeah, if she really does. And so uh, it's been, and I think I, I'm actually interested in going back and rewatching these, which is weird for me on these type of movies. But I would really like to see that grow because I think she's so confident now mm-hmm. um, making these compared to where she was making the first and she's great in the first and she's great in everything she's done. But you know, she's had a pretty good couple of years uh, again, arguable. She's such a star. So I, I would say her character to me, her presence, her, her kind of development over the course of the film is, is pretty, was my favorite part of it. I really did enjoy almost all the performances in this. I think what's the director's name again, 
Francis Lawrence. Lawrence. Francis Lawrence, for someone that does these kind of big budget adaptations of, of books, really does a great job. And Brian touched on this on, on really getting great performances out of his actors. As Brian said, sometimes even more, I haven't read the books, but there's more depth in the film than to a lot of the characters in the books. And that speaks to the directing and the talent they've hired, you know, the casting and all of that. Uh, that that's probably what worked for me most was the interaction between the characters. Even when the plot was non-existent, I cared about the characters, which is, sure. you know, rare. Let's talk about the character of Katniss. I, I agree with you, Brian. Now, one of the things that stuck out to me about the film is the, the, the character that Katniss has become this figure for a revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, and something that struck me was how believable Jennifer Lawrence is in that role. Mm-hmm. Uh, she sort of is sort of this leader of her own revolution, uh, sort of the every girl, um, type of, per- type of person. Guys love her. Girls want to be her, you know? Right. Um, I guess Taylor Swift has sort of taken that, uh, <laughs> with music, you know, sure. but I mean, perfectly cast even down to Jennifer Lawrence. I mean, how unbearable is Kristen Stewart just in general, like as a person, <laughs> you know, sure. like yeah. how unbelievable is it that we should care about, what she, who she's going to fall in love with in the end, or or whatever the plot line is for, uh, for Twilight. But oh, well, just give me thirty minutes and I'll explain it to you. So, okay, <laughs> Bella moves to Washington and she right. doesn't get along with her dad. He's a police officer. <laughs> now, I'm sorry. There's some socioeconomic stuff going on here, so <laughs> let me explain that. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it, it's just been a, a absolute pleasure to watch Katniss evolve in these in these movies and uh not not just jennifer lawrence but katniss the character i've i've loved um her her transformation speaking of transformation what did you think of effie in this movie and her like prison garb i love that whole the whole uh plot line with that with effie what they decided to do with her character in this movie was that in the books brian it was some variation of that i can't remember Exactly. It's been it's been several. I don't know three three years probably since I've read the books, and I I will never I'll probably never revisit uh, the second and third one. So I don't remember exactly, but it was something like that. But but it's definitely I think fleshed out much much better. Much much like most of the things within these these last couple of films that come straight from the book. I think it looks a lot better than it read for sure. <laughs> yeah. What did not work for you, Brian? Yeah, Richard has touched on it, and you too, you as well, Kent. It definitely there's some slow parts. I read a lot of reviews that were most of the reviews that were negative were just like straight up. I was bored, and I get that. Like it's not nearly as intense or exciting as the the first two films. Uh, I went and did a rewatch of of the first two, you know, a couple of days before I went to see this movie, and was again I very impressed by how intense both of those films are but especially catching fire yeah i um, I, I just uh finished that one today before the right before this podcast really yeah. impressed with it was the first time i had gone back and rewatched it since the theater right, same and here, yeah. uh really impressed with it like, once again yeah and it, it's just the second that they get in the arena it is pretty much it's intense and heart pounding the entire time for the most part and so it, that doesn't have happen in this film uh it definitely drags and and i think this is also as much as i've said on the positive side of of the way Francis Lawrence and, and the writer, I should we should give 
the writer yeah. credit to uh, Peter Craig and, and Danny Strong. Um, Michael Bay, I think, did a panel. <laughs> Michael Bay, yeah. The explosions, especially, <laughs> specifically by Michael Bay. Now, as, as much as, as I've praised them for being able to take a source material that's not that great and turn it into something much better, I think this is the first of the three films, and hopefully the last. We'll see what the fourth one turns out. But this is the first one where you do see that the – I think I think the source material does kind of drag it down because they're trying to navigate around – there is a massive – love triangle between uh Katniss uh Peta and uh Gale in the right. book that I can't tell you how little I cared about <laughs> while reading and it seemed like it t- it went on for 300 pages and so they're trying to navigate around that and and still hit the high notes of that without getting dragged into it and I think there's some hit some hits and some misses in there uh, so definitely, this could have been edited down to an hour and a half or, or, or less and and included all as one package. But that's my main complaint is is it probably doesn't need to be its 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 own film. And so for those that were bored or uh, just generally felt like it was it dragged too much in places, I can totally understand that. I like I said, I'm willing to kind of push push that off and wait a year until i can see the entire piece together at which point i think it will flow pretty well it will just be a super long movie much like you know harry potter part one and two or or lord of the rings movies or or whatever else so that could have that's that's one complaint my other little complaint is um you know Anytime you add cast to an already existing strong cast like like these movies had, uh-huh. um, and this one you're adding Julianne Moore and, and the guy from House of Cards and and a couple others. Uh, he has a name, Natalie. Yeah, but I can't say it, so I'm just not going to butcher <laughs> it. Uh, ma- I, there's no way I can say that. Mahershala. Mahershala. Okay, you I'm don't. Sorry, have to, dude. Yeah. You're really good, so I apologize. But uh, <laughs> but you're adding characters because of that. You're losing time for other characters and in this case that's like my two favorite characters from the movies or the books are woody harrelson's haymitch and uh sam claflin's finnick whom i I love both of those characters and they're really hardly in this movie and so that's that's kind of a bummer i think they'll play a bigger i know they'll play a bigger role in uh in part two but uh because of how how deep the the roster is so to speak for for casting uh some of these guys who are great great actors or and or have great characters aren't getting as much screen time as as I might have liked personally. Interesting to note here guys, uh just specifically about uh Mockingjay part 1. Budget of 125 million dollars so far box office gross uh less than a week removed from its premiere 297.3 million dollars. Um both Mockingjay Part 1 and 2 together cost the studio Lionsgate $250 million, so basically every penny they make from here on out <laughs> is profit. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's pure profit, the next movie I, uh, coming out, too. So it's I a would, possible billion-dollar profit here, let's be honest. I would love to know what they paid to get the rights to this, because the, this whole series, because that first movie... I don't know if you guys remember this, but we weren't doing a podcast at that time. That first movie was projected to make somewhere between forty and sixty million dollars in opening weekend, and it made one hundred and fifty. It just completely blew away expectations. So you have to imagine they paid, as compared to like whatever Summit paid for for Twilight, and uh, 
and and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I have to imagine they got next to nothing comparatively. You know, I, I would love to know what they what they paid for that and how much they've actually ended up making off of it because it's got to be that's got to be one of the better deals that, uh, in recent Hollywood history. I have one source here that says seventeen million. She sold the wow. rights to the series for wow. And I, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's all kinds of distribution and and uh, back end deals and all that sort of stuff. But regardless, they 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 paid 17 million dollars for that. Uh, they spent 80 million dollars to make the first movie, and it made 691 million dollars worldwide. So they, I mean. That's one of the best. That's like if it is in NBA terms, like that's like that that wonderful time when you sign somebody to a a three year, you know, six million dollar deal and they turn out to be a super. That's like a rookie deal, you know. I mean, it's like such a good investment that they've done. Yeah, and it's it's paid off uh, for everybody involved. Oh yeah, totally. And um, I'm assuming that Mockingjay Part Two is the last one in this series. What what have you heard about that? Is there no, is there more books than than that than just the trilogy, or is there? Yeah, uh, that's the end of it as okay. far as the, the what's out there now. I mean, I'm sure we're seeing Harry Potter's coming back in a spinoff, basically. So I, I don't see why you couldn't have like a uh, a history of Pan Am, the the country uh-huh. that this takes place in. You know, set because I think what's the first movie is set like 74 years after a Revolution. I don't see why you couldn't do like an origin movie set at the beginning of the hunger games or something or right before the hunger games started. Cause I'm sure that would make crap ton of money as well. Well, the person that I saw this with, uh, had also see, uh, read the books beforehand. And what she said, uh, when we left was, I'm so glad they made it into two movies. Cause there's just no way you could fit all of that storyline into one movie. And, uh, and have it please the fans, the Hunger Games fans. So we, I guess we just have to accept that right now. Sure. That this is just sort of a bridging the gap between the movie we want or the movie right. we're expecting right. and uh, the movie we all enjoyed in Catching Fire. So we'll, we'll have to see. And, and I'm judging it based on that at this point. So I guess we can move on to grades at this point unless you guys have any closing thoughts about uh, Mockingjay Part 1. But I'll give my grade. Uh, I'll give a solid A-. minus. Um, I wanted more, of course, action, but the, the small action we get is is really well done. Love the characters, and um, and this felt like a like a strong continuation of the series. And I'm just glad there's one to follow it up. If this, if this was the end, you know, this wouldn't work. Well, I, we could all admit that. So I yeah. mean, I can, we we all know something else is coming. So that's definitely helps my grade. But A minus for me, Brian. Yeah, I'm going the exact same, and I, and I think. Catching Fire is is very close to an A plus for me. Hunger Games is an A. This is an A minus, and I'm I'm excited to see what we do with the with the last one. I expect it will, it might end up kind of improving the grade on this one. I don't. I definitely don't think it's going to hurt it. So I'm, right, I'm I'm good with it. Richard, yeah, I'm going to give this as high of a grade as I can give it without giving it too much because the, the I don't really support the. Uh, I thought this was patiently weird. So I'm going to give this a B plus plus. Sure, gotcha. So uh, it'll be fun once again, guys, one year from now to revisit this and to conclude this series with uh, Mockingjay Part 2. And uh, we'll, of course, do that uh, next fall. So let's move on, guys, and let's hit a quick weekly recommend. Weekly recommend. 
Brian, why don't you do the honors this week since you missed last week? Sure. I'm going to give you two this week since I since I did miss last week. One is a TV show that I've been watching and one is a, a company, I guess, that uh, that I've come in t- contact with and I'm pretty excited about. So I, I, I started binge watching a show called The 100 on Netflix last week. It's like 13 episodes long. Season two is hosted is, by Bob Saget. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, it's one to uh, one hundred. Sorry, sorry. Uh, it, it's it's a CW show, <laughs> which is an obvious turnoff for me. But for whatever reason, like the CW is getting it right these days with Jane the Virgin, and uh, I, I still I think Flash is really fun, and Arrow seems to be doing really well, even though I haven't watched it in since its first like five or six episodes. But this is like right up my alley as far as uh, like post-apocalyptic sorts of stuff uh it's a it's it's a it's basically a hundred years in the future the earth sucks which is how every post-apocalyptic sort of thing starts we leave the earth we're living in space stations and uh a hundred years after after uh you know nuclear war whatever it was that that took the earth out we send uh a hundred basically kids teenagers down to earth to see if they can survive and see if they can figure out a way to make a society and, and all that sort of stuff. It's kind of like Lord of the Flies mixed it's after with after earth, the series basically. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. But, but not involving M night Shyamalan at all. <laughs> uh, Dang it. So, I know. I was, I was pretty disappointed too. Uh, but Jaden Smith is in it. So no. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, <just> kidding. <laughs> so, Who's ever said that? Oh, no. But Jaden uh, Smith's in it. Oh, yes. Will Smith is the only one yeah. who's ever said that. His, um, <laughs> his New York Times interview, though, was, was really good, though. Oh, my God. Oh, my I God. didn't get to read it yet. <laughs> oh, it's Jim. That's, a, that's another conversation. It's, he is not a human. Uh, it's, it's very odd. Anyway, uh, this is, like I said, it's 13 episodes long. It's kind of a mix of, like, Lord of the Flies with The Hunger Games. It's a, it's a YA sort of, uh, sort of TV show. That's why I felt like it was appropriate for this episode. Right. Um, there's definitely some CW sorts of stuff that you kind of have to navigate. The pilot is not great, but the second episode is really good, so it gets good fast. Um, and if you're into that kind of uh, that kind of world sort of stuff, I, I really like that 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 uh, that type of thing. And so, if you're into that, I think you would really enjoy it. Like I said, it's 13 episodes long, and then the second season I think is got like I think there are four or five episodes in, uh, so you can catch up on it pretty well. And uh, it's really entertaining and and much more. Um, not quite graphic, but like it doesn't pull any punches on on violence and and adult content and whatnot. Which sometimes CW, you never know what you're going to get with right. that sort of thing. So I really enjoyed it, and I I would I would recommend giving it a shot if you're into that kind of thing. The second thing I'm going to recommend is a I came across this guy on uh, on Instagram. Uh, the company is called Status Seriograph, and they make gig posters, and they're some of the coolest gig posters I've ever. I've ever seen. And they also make, they also design logos and uh, labels for like craft breweries and stuff. Yeah. Um, but uh, they have, they do, were doing something with Ryman Auditorium. So I ordered a, a Jason Isbell uh, poster that just, it's just, they're all amazing. They all look great. It's all uh, indie rock bands or like alternative country sorts of bands and stuff like that. Uh, so check them out. Status Seriograph.com. Status uh, what? Status Serigraph, S-E-R-I-G-R-A-P-H. Okay, got it. Okay. And the 
I think that's their name on Instagram as well. Let me check. Yeah, just status serograph. They're really cool. The stuff they're doing oh, is Wilco really awesome. Oh, Wilco one's really cool. Yeah, Wilco's, Wilco's in there. Um, Widespread Panic. They've got a whole series awesome. on it. Anyway, it's really good-looking stuff, and I know uh, you guys are both fans of gig posters, and, and I am right. as well. So check it out, and if you're if the listeners are a fan, great too. So follow them and uh, and get hooked up with them. They're doing really cool stuff. Just hit them with the follow. Good, good yeah. times. All right. Uh, I'm going to recommend a documentary that I got a chance to see on HBO. Uh, it's it's produced by HBO, and it doesn't really have anything to do with this person per se, or not officially. A couple of uh, maybe less than a year ago, uh, at this point, uh, Banksy did a residency in New York. I recommended his documentary uh, "Exit Through the Gift Shop" a few months ago. Um, that was a, an Oscar nominee for best documentary a few years back. So Banksy is street artist. Uh, he's become sort of a pop culture phenomenon or his work has, and, and, you know, pop culture has really elevated the value of a lot of his work. So he, he announced on his official website, uh, that's really all the only way, you know, if something's a Banksy's, if he puts it on his website. So he announced on his website, said, Hey, I'm going to be in New York for a month, putting up, putting up art, you know, and wow. stay tuned basically. And, uh, so New Yorkers were on high alert and, uh, he would post every day, uh, for 30 days, a different art piece. He wouldn't post where it was. He would just post a picture of it, you know, Instagram style. And uh, people all around New York would go around trying to figure out where these were. And some of them, you know, blocked off whole roads with people gathered around to see his, his art. And um, it got to a point where people were literally cutting him, cutting his art off the walls, going going straight to an art gallery and selling him for a million dollars, you know, the next day. So really interesting story, and they don't really talk to Banksy himself. Um, it's produced by HBO. HBO sort of just documents the whole uh, his month spent in New York. So it's called Banksy Does New York. It's on uh, HBO Go, and uh, they had a, a free uh, preview of it a couple weeks ago, and I'm sure it's on their regular rotation now for documentaries. So check that out. Really cool. And uh, interesting documentary uh, cool. for you guys to check out. So awesome. uh, Banksy does New York. You guys would like it. Uh, Richie, yeah. recommend. Yeah, I'm very familiar. Hey, I'm going to recommend a, a book by a young author named Simon Rich who I've recommended before. He's a humorist of short stories. He was a writer on Saturday Night Live. His father is, I believe, Frank Rich, who was a New York Times uh, writer for a long time. But he, I think, is the best kind of straight up uh, kind of – writing uh well that was a terrible sentence he's the best american <laughs> humorist in, in sort of the tradition of of short stories and i think he's he's hysterically funny uh he has a book called ant farm which i think is as funny as any stand-up in the last 10 years it's it's cry down your cheeks laughing it's it's really smart but not pretentious and just really really good he's great he has a new book out uh now that i just blanked on the title look, let me look over at my shelf here that's taboo's autobiography. Oh no, you're right. No, he has a new book of stories called uh, "Spoiled Brads," and I am a sixty-five percent through with it right now. And uh, it's it's really funny. It's as good as Ant Farm, uh, and and it's just fantastic. So uh, he's got a few different books. Check out any of them. Ant Farm, The Last Girlfriend on on Earth, uh, What in God's Name. There's the Free Range Chickens. They're all fantastic. Uh, I, I recommend any of them highly. They're hysterically funny. He is hysterically funny. And that is it. So Simon Rich's Spoiled Brats is my weekly recommend. Richard, at this point, I need to ask you, and this is a legitimate question. Uh-huh. Um, 
ask you personally, when are you going to do a podcast called Mad About Books? You can host. I'll be the co-host uh, every week sure. with you. And we'll just talk about literature like like you do. With Maybe we can get Stephen Blum involved, producer Stephen involved. Yes, uh, yes. I would love to do that. And whenever we can get a guarantee of over four listeners, <laughs> I will, I'm all in. There's certainly uh, a shortage of literature-based review podcasts, but uh, sure, especially not. I want to do one called like the Well-Read Gentleman because I think there's good books that modern. Should we do one called Oprah's like. Book Club? Book Club, where we <laughs> oh, just review yeah. Oprah's Book Club discussions. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you start the podcast, Richard, I would listen. Okay. Mad oh, about well, that's good to do. Yeah, so I would too. So you got two listeners of the four you need. So okay, we're halfway chime there. Chime in if you're interested in listening to Richard. Please, let me know. I can, I can do that. I would happily yeah. do that. Always good to get a book recommend from you, Richard. And um, hopefully that gets people through the week uh, because you won't be here next week. I won't. I'm, I'm heading to the Caribbean. That sucks. Uh, it does. It's just a tough life we all live here. Vacation or uh, running from the law? It's is, a little bit of both. I try I to plan it. Yeah, it's a little bit of. Uh, it's it's. It depends on what country I'm in, but you'll hear from me. I know a couple of guys. Yeah. If a uh, if an unmarked black SUV pulls up in front of your house, just get in and don't ask questions. Okay, that's a deal. Well, let me ask you this, Richard. Where can I find your work online? You can find me on Twitter, you can find at Richard Barden, or you can find me on Thought Catalog. Brian, where can I find you? You can find me on the Twitter at bgill 12 You can find my writing whenever I recover from shoulder surgery on uh, canbabiesdrinkredbull.com. Uh, Kent, where can we find your stuff? You can find me online at Kent Garrison on Twitter, and find our show online at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Only our most recent 100 episodes appear on iTunes, so if you want anything further back than what you see displayed there head on over to our website scroll all the way back the episodes are there and if you like what you hear uh, on itunes give us five stars we appreciate those if you'd like to contact the show on our website click contact and that form goes straight to us and on that note until next time guys i'll see you at the cinema bye bye <laughs> 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 <laughs>